Hey everyone, it's Michael Jammin. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I have a wonderful guest today. Uh, this is a this is a, I'm going to tell you the story of how, how we met. So as you know, the Writers Guild of America is on strike, and my next guest is a well-known sitcom writer. Although we've never worked together over the years, so our paths you know haven't really crossed, but we know all the same people. And then we started. We were on the picket line outside of CBS Radford, and uh, we started chatting. And we had a really nice talk. And I was like, well, this I had to bring this guy in the podcast. So everyone, if you're driving your car, please pull over, put your hands together, a warm round of applause for Mr. Jonathan Fenner. He is, let me give you some of his credits before I let him talk. You'll notice it's a 45 minute podcast and I, I do talking for about 44 minutes of it, but I'm gonna talk about your credits. He, he wrote on uh, Bet, the Bet Midler show, Veronica's Closet, Do Over, Kid Notorious, It's All Relative, Method and Red, Father of the Pride. You remember that one with Siegfried and Roy? Uh, the 78th Annual Academy Awards. I want to talk about that. American Dad, we know that. Uh, Happy Endings, Old Soul, Telenovela, The Mindy Project. How come that wasn't a show? Why was that just a project? Trolls Holiday, LA to Vegas, American Housewife, Trolls Holiday and Harmony. We'll talk about that. And most recently, the iCarly reboot, as well as... Uh, well, it's uh, Mulaney. This guy's, this guy's been around the block. John, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. So I want to find out, I want to know all about your your history. Let's take it back from the beginning when your great-grandparents met. Let's really do a deep dive into your life. <laughs> Eastern so how, Europe. <laughs> Eastern let's Europe. Just do, uh, yeah, let's go back to Eastern Europe. But tell me, were you... We, okay, so how did you first break into the business, and did you always know you wanted to be a, a, a sitcom writer? Um, yeah, I, I, even when I didn't know that's what I wanted to do, I, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I feel like I'm part of a, a generation that, um, you know, back to um, watching television shows, videotaping, you know, Saturday Night Live and, uh -huh. and sitcoms and, and uh, like I used to audio tape them. Um, to study watch, them? Yeah, and, and, and like I would, I would watch Saturday Night Live, it, it, even when I was old, it wasn't old enough to like watch it, I would tape it on the VCR that we had, the, the one that popped up yeah. <laughs> over the top. And then, uh, uh, and then I would have an, and then in the morning I'd watch it all day uh, and I would, and, and I used to make mixtapes, I guess video mixtapes where I would like, like uh, mix and match different sketches that I liked. And then I, uh, and I used to listen to those all the time. And then I would also, I'd watch television shows. I did do that thing where I, I would tape television shows and then I would try and like write out the script. I didn't, I didn't know what the formatting was. So I always you, was interested in, yes. You would write it? You kind of word for word, or you'd write your own. I'd write it word for word. I would transcribe because that made you a writer. They... Then did you think that was what was the point of that? Well, <laughs> it's like this. Uh, this this is going to sound douchey, maybe, but I remember reading this quote. I, I I think Hunter S. Thompson once said that he used to just type pages of The Great Gatsby just to feel oh, what it was like to really to write those words. Yeah, um, and so you can draw a direct line between me and Hunter S. Thompson and the great Gatsby yeah. and, you know, the Bette Midler show, like they're basically yes. one to one. But then, um, and okay, go on. So then, then, uh, as a kid, you but I always was a, I was a huge comedy fan. I was a huge movie, television, everything fan, stand up comedy. I loved stand up comedy. Right. So, um, was always too afraid to do it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be part of, making that comedy you know television movies all that stuff so i went to fast forward i went to usc i i uh i didn't go to the film school but i i just was just wanted to be in la uh -huh. and i guess sort of the way it sort of goes you, you get out of school and and i i knew a guy that i went to school with who worked at a talent agency and he got me a job as a messenger when they were still in as existence. a messenger so and you were driving around town delivering envelopes. That with my horrible. Thomas guide. With your Thomas guide, right? No, uh, it, yeah, in the heat and the traffic. And um, how long did you do that for? I was probably a messenger for about I don't know 
matter of months, maybe like three, four, five months, and then a desk opens up, and then you're you're answering phones. So oh, so you I, didn't have to go to the mailroom. You went from messenger to uh. It really wasn't a mailroom. I, it was a very small town agency. Okay. I, it, it was called the Herb Schechter Company. Sure. I don't know if you ever, no, and it was like back in the day where you know he mostly represented like TV writers. They had a whole below the line department. It was a small agency, Boutique. and they didn't really have a mailroom. Boutique, yeah. Boutique. They had that's a lot right. of like guys that were like supervising producers on Magnum stuff like but that. That's a good deal. But then. So how long? Because you know, I was a I was an assistant at uh, William Morris for three days. I got fired on my second day, and I go, but I stuck out the week. I finished the week. <laughs> so <laughs> I I applaud you for being like it's just a hard job being an assistant for an agent. At least I found it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was an assistant for a lot of different people. I was, I it, I think it helped that it was kind of I don't know if low, I guess low stakes because it wasn't like I wasn't at CAA. I wasn't at you know William Morris. Right. I was at this tiny little agency and this woman I worked for was, you know, she represented like um, stunt coordinators and, and oh. like that. So not that, that, look, I still had to do the like rolling calls thing and all that stuff. Did but, you, but um, did that, did that give you contacts? Like what did that, what, what, what was your takeaway from doing that job for however long? Honestly, a lot of the jobs I had until I was a writer were, it taught me what I didn't want to do. Yes. I'm like, Oh, I work for an agent. I don't want to be an agent. Right. And then there's like a network of assistants mm -hmm. where, you know, there was another agent there, this really nice woman named Deborah Lieb. I still remember her. She, um, she called me in one day. She's like, what do you want to do? What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think I want to write, but you know, may, maybe I want to be a creative exec. I just, I wasn't sure. So okay. she was like, well, I have a friend who works at Fox and, uh, they need an assistant. So, you know, if you want to get out of here and go work there. And I was like, great. So I went to go work for this other woman. And then I just met, I would just meet assistants and they would offer me other jobs. I worked for this guy. Um, my biggest assistant job was I worked for this guy, John Matoyan, who was the president of the Fox network. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time where I saw an entire television season from pitches, development scripts and shooting all the way through right i was on his desk and i read every script that came across his desk that was like i don't know if you remember that guy or even like that was the year that was like in the early mid 90s when they were like maybe gonna try and do like friends like they had this show called partners and ned and yep. stacy and ned and like, stacy yep it was becoming a little bit more of like let's try and make a, a friends clone so um, like the X-Files was happening then. It was right. just like, it was, a, it, I had one year where I had an entire overview of television and I'm like, and then I would read the scripts and I'm like, I think I can, I, I can do this. I can. So do did, who, where did you learn to write then? What do you, what was your next step? I just figured it out. I mean, I think that, um, what happened was I met my partner who was my friend, Josh yeah. Bicell, and we were buddies and he was at UCLA in screenwriting school actually. Okay. And he was actually writing with his dad he him and his dad were writing a script together it was it was very interesting and i was we would just talk about stuff and and then so the story is that we had another friend who was a pa on this show called the single guy yeah remember that show with jonathan yes. silverman jonathan silverman yep yeah the brad hall show and we he used to bring home scripts every week and yeah. we would read them and we were like i can't remember one of us pitched an idea but funny if they did an episode whatever like in real time of whatever and then uh we're like we should write it let's just write it we know how to do it we should just write it so we sat down and wrote this script and <clears throat> it was i thought it was pretty good and we we and and again the assistant network was um we knew somebody who was an assistant to richard whites at the time yep. who was a young guy and uh a young agent he was icm probably right yeah 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 and and it was just one of these things where like after a while, I was assistant for three, four years, and I had access because all the young people that I was working with were now becoming executives or agents. Yep. So there were people you could actually hand your script to. They would read it as opposed to just throwing it in a pile. Right. And the the, the long and the short of it was Richard read the script because Brad was an, a client of his. And I remember he called me at my house and he was like, your friend Mallory gave me your script. I think it's funny. And... I think 
that you need to write something else because no one will read a single guy. He's like, I only read it because I represent Brad, but no one right. will read it. He's like, you have to write Friends, you have to write Seinfeld, you have to write uh, News Radio, whatever. So right. that, that was kind of the first thing where we were like, hey, we can maybe do this. Let's that's do interesting this. because this is what I say because people always say to me like, well, do I have to move to Hollywood to break into Hollywood? It's like, well, this is how you do it. You get these jobs, you know, you become an assistant and you network, you get on the network and then that's how you make connections. So that's what you did. I, do, I wonder, do you think the assistant network is still as strong now? I mean, so everything's changing so much. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. You know, it's like, that's the age old question. Like, how do you break in? And, you know, I feel for years now that like, maybe that's not the way it's done anymore. Maybe I'm just looking at like, stuff as like, an older guy where like, I look at people and I go, I don't know, can't you make your own television show on your phone yeah. or something like, I, but, you know, you you still need some kind of access i think and mm -hmm. maybe i don't even maybe i don't i can't wrap my mind around it a little bit but like it just seems like if you do if you write something if you make something <clears throat> you, someone's got to watch it someone's got to see it mm -hmm. that can make a decision for you or or help you right. and that's about that's about uh relationships but then how do you, so what was your next step how did you get on staff we wrote a bunch of specs and we had some friends that were becoming agents. Um, a guy that I, I, I was, a, I was an assistant with a guy who became an agent and he was a paradigm. We, we kind of, we worked with him for a little bit, but it was weird. Cause like we were friends and like when things don't go so well, sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, it's messing up the relationship. So I think we just were able to get, look, we, 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 anybody that would read our script, that was a, that was a young agent we would somehow try and get to them and everybody passed one guy at icm mm -hmm. uh was signed us i mean I, I remember very clearly getting a phone call I, I you know my partner and i josh our birthdays are a week apart um we really were like you know we were friends we were you know we, we were like intertwined lives but um we were having like a joint birthday party mm -hmm. and uh we got a phone call that you know they wanted to sign us and that was a big big fucking and, deal and what and they submitted you to which show what was the first show then well this is funny how things work too so his one big connection was this woman <sighs> shit her name was debbie Oh, this is embarrassing. I, That's okay. She she ran Bright Kaufman Crane. She was like their oh, development person, right? Um, and I feel bad that I don't remember her name because she was sweet. And but that was a good relationship that he had. Uh -huh. So they submitted us for Veronica's Closet. Right. The, it, it was it had done a year. It did well. You know, Kirstie Alley's back to in TV, and it was. I mean, it was Thursday night. Yeah, NBC. I mean, it was a huge, huge show. And let's take it back for a second. That used to be a big time slot. <laughs> Thursday night NBC. NBC. Now I don't even yeah. know what are they. Now I don't know what are they what they're doing there. But uh, maybe some. It's reality some fire. <laughs> Something fire. I, is it some dump, dumpster fire? Um, but that's the one. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's but this is something else that you bring up, um, which I think is really interesting. Like people always like you're kissing. I always say you're kissing the wrong asses. Kiss the asses of assistants because they're not going. You know, they don't get their asses kissed. They they love it. I mean, who wouldn't get give them some attention? They get abused all the time. And then they rise up eventually. So yeah, those are the ones you got to be nice to. The assistants always. You know. Oh yeah, Christmas. You know, send them get the get the gift card. Do the yeah. thing. I mean. You know, they'll put your call through. I mean, look, I mean, they can do only so much, but um, yeah, it was, it's just, again, everybody, even if it's the same trajectory, everybody's story is a little bit different, you know, yeah. and, you know, it, it was, I think we were, I think we were lucky, but it was also, it was, a, it was, you know, I, I hate to sound like I'm a thousand years old, but it was a very different time. And, yeah. you know, staffing was like, it, it almost seemed like so many opportunities and it was yeah. just like it almost seemed like it wasn't like you know if i'm gonna get staffed it was sort of like where am i gonna get staffed and right. and um 
but but you know you sweat it out and i never felt like that i mean and for every we we i don't think you know look i i think we were good and and but um and still are but mm. um you know i never felt like we were juggling offers yeah <laughs> you know it was definitely like you know okay we got this gig and and uh you know yeah people don't like, people don't realize that as well like once you're in it's great it's that first job is hard but you're then you always gotta worry you gotta worry about your next job none of it's you know if people think well you know it's like you must have it made but you don't you never have it made you're always hustling um never what did you feel your first season uh, as a staff writer did you feel comfortable did you feel like oh in over your head um honestly no I, I i can say that with confidence i felt like i got there and i was like yeah this is what i should be doing um, oh, you said, you said just, yeah you know look we were the youngest guys that you know we were the staff writers the right. baby writers it was a very challenging place to work i mean you know bright kaufman crane you know look we i could we could do an entire podcast on just working on Branca's closet and just literally being down the hall from season five of friends it's like the beatles yes they, they, their their dressing room is down the hall and i'm you know with jerry and the pacemakers or something not that not that that's that's a great reference by the way for all your younger yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't listeners know. yeah just some but it was like and the show was you know it, it was what it was it was funny there were tons of funny people on that show people i still talk to to this day um honestly but it was like the the culture of that and i think it, it's a it's it's not a new story in sitcoms but you know we worked we watched the sun come up all the time and it was really that was my first staff it was like i had never done it before but i was like i knew immediately i'm like this is not the way it, this is not the way it should be right was it because stories were being tossed out or notes from the network or what yeah it, it was poor poor management oh was, time management it was poor time management you know i yeah. always say like you know you're when you work on a on a show with terrible hours you're just like you're a victim of somebody else's bad work well habits. there's there's that yeah yeah i always felt very uh when we were running a show i was like i always felt um i would crack the whip just because i felt like i want people to go home i want to stop messing around and I was a hard ass in that way because I want to go home, and I think you want to go home too, don't you? You know, like let's just work and go home. Um, those are the ones. The ones that don't want to go home, those yeah, are the worst. Those are the worst, right? Did you were you on many shows like that where you felt like a hostage? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, let me think. Not really. That was the worst. And then um, there were a couple other shows that were rough, but I think that like as time went on. I definitely got lucky as time went on that I, I worked for decent people. Um, well, you also had another show that was basically the stepchild, which was American Dad compared to Family Guy. I mean, Family Guy was this behemoth. Not that American Dad was any slouch, but you were still in the shadow of a, a Family Guy, right? That's right. The other one. Yeah, yeah. The other show, which, but that, yeah. And that, that was good point. No, but it was, it was, um, and animation was something that I, you know, we got into pretty early on too. And I really, really liked that. And, you know, there, there's animation usually is not terrible because the deadlines are, are way far apart. Yeah. Like as far as like, you know, like multicam is probably the worst because mm -hmm. it literally, you got to rewrite it tonight at four o'clock you start your day basically yeah after yeah run through is yeah. it, it ruins your whole night and then it's like someone has like if you're doing single camera you know it, you're usually reading a script for the next week so you know you want to get it done by tonight but you know maybe you can leave a couple of jokes and then the next day you can like sort of clean it up right. but like multicam they're they're at rehearsal at yeah. 9 a.m so they need a script yeah yeah, and that was your joint. You were on the Warner Brothers lot. All right, so then, so then, what happened? I'm gonna, I'm going through your credits over here. Uh, so Veronica's Closet, and then whatever. What was you were there for? Well, how many? Well, how many seasons was that? The show was what? They two did three. They did three. three. I was on the last two. The last two, and then when it was done, what happened? Um, when it was done, I was like, I, I did it. I, you know. 
no, I, I was like, uh, we, we just got back out in the staffing pool, you know? Right. And then we, you just jumped. We, yeah, that was the next, the next season we went to, we got on the Bette Midler show, which at the time was like massive. It was a that massive, was massive gig. And then, and that's another, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say please. like, that's an interesting story where, you know, I don't know if you think of like two 26 year old guys as like, yeah, we got to get those guys on the Bette Midler show. Mm -hmm. But um, our agent submitted us and at the time we were even thinking to ourselves like what what samples can we write that are a little different so we wrote a buffy the vampire slayer script just because like we liked the show and right. the tone and so we wrote that and then and i think we were like maybe we can look and see about you know maybe getting on like an hour or something like that and then the, it just so happens that joss whedon i think worked for the guy that created that show bet who so created he, it? I was going to say, I wanted to say Cohen and Muchnick, but no, that, I don't think that's right. Who created it? Jeffrey Lane. Jeffrey Lane, of course. Right. Right. It was um, a big uh, mad about you, dude. Yes. And then and... then working for Bet, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. You have this oversized star, really a giant star, and she must have had a lot of creative input. Yeah. yeah. You know, she had opinions. But yeah. no, she was... Um, it was, it was nuts. I mean, you know, they picked that show up for a full season, which mm -hmm. even even then wasn't a thing. And she, she just was like like such a massive force, you know, yeah. almost too big for television. I would even say, like, I remember thinking she's on the stage, and I'm like, and I mean the sound stage, like I can see her playing Caesars just yeah. live or in the movies where she's gigantic but there's also there's there's i don't know if muting is the right word but you know what i mean like like sh there's just something about those mediums that like sort of and and i just think on tv she just was like massive just like but but you know really funny and she, you know she did everything you know she sang the rose and she it was like pulled out all the stops it was just it was almost like and i don't think she knew what being on a television show entailed. I think when you take people that have never worked in TV and put them on TV, they're like, I have to come back again tomorrow and yeah, tomorrow. And it's a new script today. And like, they're used to shooting films, but even like, it, it's, it's a grind for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, so she became a little cantankerous, you think? <laughs> I think, yeah, no, she, 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 you know, she liked me. <laughs> she liked me and my partner. We we wrote this episode actually with um, Kobe Bryant in it. Oh, um, okay. And I think they were like, "Get the young guys to write this." And Kobe was, and he agreed to do the show. I think his wife was a huge Bette Midler fan. He, uh -huh. I think he said, I mean, we, he was a nice guy. I remember meeting him. And the show. I mean, think about this. We shot the sh we shot our episode in the forum, like, and and the 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 plot of the show was that that becomes like she basically accidentally gets onto the court and she starts dancing with the Laker girls. But I don't it was know a how it happened. It was a multicam, right? Yeah. But they and just, they the shot it on the forum. They, I mean, okay. on the forum. They, and it was, it was the kind of thing where it was like, whatever it cost, it cost. Right. They booked the forum and, and that episode sort of turned out okay. And then I think she felt like, Oh, these guys get the show. So they took us out. She took us out to lunch and she's like, what should, what should the show be? You guys oh, see no. that? Oh and no! Like, and you guys are you guys are story editors at this point, right? See, that would right. be panicked about that. That's not good. So I have Rob two... Cohen was at that lunch too. Oh, she took Rob. See, that's she the thing. Rob. Love Rob. My my uh, rule of thumb early in my career was don't let the actors know your name because only bad things can come of it. And then, <laughs> and then right. So she takes you, and now you're uh, maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I, that puts you in a difficult position because she should be taking the showrunner. And the showrunner should be bouncing you. She should be bouncing the ideas and not, you know, you know. Yeah, not. it was a, yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't know. We were just like, well, you know, just do more, do more of this stuff, right? right? You know, well, you know, go to a baseball game. Or I just think she, I, I look, I think that she was searching for what the show was. I think the right. showrunner was, I think they just were, and it was a, it was a weird, not a weird premise, but it was like, she she played a character named Bet, and she played a character that was a famous Hollywood actress, 
and had been in a movie called The Rose and all these <laughs> things that were true. But right. she kept saying, I'm, but I'm not Bette Midler. She would say that in the show, but I'm not Bette Midler. She, she would say, say that to us because oh, okay. we would write jokes. And she's like, but I'm not Bette Midler. And we're like, but you were in The Rose and we're like, okay, Bette Schmidler. You're Bette Schmidler. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of stuff that happened to her in real life, we would try and put into the show. But it was like... It was just one of those things where we were just trying to find our footing and 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 never really found it. Wow, but that's pretty cool though. I mean, hanging out with Bette Miller is pretty cool. Um, she was something else, man. She was like, a, like I said, like a force, like just funny and and just larger than life. And, you know, uh, we we did just shoot me and um, and George Siegel, of course. But in the seventies, there was no bigger actor than George Siegel, I and mean, he was huge. Funny. And then Cezanne so just shoot me and we wrote an episode and he, George could not have been a sweeter guy. Such a nice guy and a great sense of humor. But there was one episode, he, I guess he wasn't happy with what he was playing. Maybe he didn't have enough lines or maybe he thought his storyline was dumb or whatever. <laughs> but I remember he, we were all the writers re at rehearsal and George goes, you know, I was nominated for an Emmy. I'm sorry, he was, you know, I was nominated for an Oscar. You know that, right? And one of the writers goes, yeah, that was a long time ago, George, get in the dunk tank. <laughs> <laughs> And George thought that was so funny. I mean, he like to his credit, he just laughed. He thought it was great. <laughs> that's but so funny. That's what's fun about working with some of these, you know, uh, some, uh, some of these old timers are great. Some of them are, you know, a little di difficult. Who knows? Um, all right. So then what, at what point did you guys start developing your own shows? Because that's always a big leap. You know, we we were kind of like wanting to do that early. And I remember that was another thing that was not... Uh, encouraged yeah not then uh, it wasn't at all it was just sort of like it was the tail end of it but it was kind of just like here's the model get on staff mm -hmm. work your way up to producer supervising producer get a deal mm -hmm. and then you develop so right. that was the that was the uh the road but we were like no we have some ideas and you know if they don't want to listen to us at at nbc then maybe they'll listen to us at mtv so we had heard that MTV was looking to develop shows, cheap show. I mean, it's like that thing every like couple of years, MTV is like, we want to do scripted. And then they would hardly ever do it. But right. we had this idea that we would do, because they wanted to repurpose videos, but somehow do it in a scripted way. So um, we had this idea that we would do like dream on, but with music videos. So it was mm -hmm. about a kid whose interior monologue was music videos instead of old right. movies right and like just seemed it was like risky business but the kid is 16 and he's just that so we sold that we actually sold that and uh wrote it and it never got shot but that was like pretty early that was like a couple of years in and um we sold a movie like we were kind of like trying a bunch of stuff but i think that we early on were like I feel like we should do our own stuff too. Uh -huh. um, so I always have said, like, like, like I don't, I don't know what it's like to have just like one job. I always feel like I was doing two things at once. So like, eventually, if people are always like they're on staff, like I was always on staff, and then on the weekends I was working on the other thing. You see, people don't understand how exhausting that is because you're on staff, you're working very long days, and then on the weekends you're working more. You know, it's 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 good for you. When you're, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Yeah, it was hard. And I think it was the right, you know, look, I wasn't, I was, I was, I was married, but I didn't have any kids and, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it was tough, man. I mean, you know, and, and that was back before you, we were Zooming. So like we would go, I'd go to Josh's house. He'd come to my house. Uh -huh. um, I mean, we used to literally meet in the middle and trade. Oh, cause you guys, discs. you guys like, did you live far apart from each other? Yeah. 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 We, we, yeah, usually trade fart floppy disks. So I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, but I'm curious to know. Well, first of all, I want to know how what was the Academy? How did you work on the Academy Awards? How did that come about? That's such an odd term that, for you. Yeah, that was that was, the connection there was that was the year John Stewart hosted. I don't know if mm -hmm. that was his first time. I know he did a bunch of times. It was the year of crash crash one. Okay. the best picture and like Philip Seymour Hoffman won uh, for Capote, but John was right, was hosting and he brought out like a bunch of daily show people and 
my partner went to college with a guy, Ben Carlin. Yes. Who I kind of became friends with too, because of those guys. So, so Ben was running the daily show. He was one of the EPs. Um, and so when he came out, he called me and Josh and a couple of other guys and asked if we wanted to be part of the staff of people, basically they, the, the daily show guys wrote the monologue. They asked us the LA guys to write, uh, like short film parodies of the nominees. Right. So, and then, you know, maybe help out with the, and, and, and on, on show night, we would be part of the joke room because they're writing jokes throughout right. the night. Um, with like, I mean, Bruce Valanche was there and some mm -hmm. of the old school guys were, were there. But um, so, yeah, so we basically pitched like 20 little short film things and they picked five or six of them and then we got to produce them and 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 all that. But we were part of that whole thing. That sounds um, fun. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And like on show night, we literally, they put us down in this basement <laughs> and we're like watching the show live and it was like instant messaging. If whatever, if somebody won something, we would like shoot a bunch of jokes up to them in the wings. But did you have to wear a tuxedo to do that? Yes. In my mind, you, I knew it. In my mind, you have to wear a tuxedo, even though you're not going to be on camera, but you're at the Oscars. Wow. They tell yeah, you yeah. that. Because, yep. it could be, because we were, I mean, it, it was really cool. I mean, we, Got, went went to you know my my wife and and Josh's wife and and all the wives got to go to the show. Right. They got tickets to the show. We were downstairs, and then afterwards we went to the governor's ball. I mean, right. it was really. I mean, we had access. That's a trip. That's it was. I didn't get a gift bag. I was really hoping I'd get like a because I always I'm like there's like a trip to Australia. Yeah, right. In there or something, but yeah. I, but you got a nice you got a nice paycheck. That's got that kind of counts for something. I don't remember how much we got paid. I don't know if it was true. I, I feel like, I don't know. Now, what it about, what about uh, the Mindy Project? Because that was like a big, that must have been a big experience for you. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was fun. And and that was when we were, we had a deal at Universal. Um, mm -hmm. And we had, we, we were kind of lucky. Like we, that was when I worked on the Mulaney show and right. we did a lot of development when we were there <laughs> and we supervised and ran a couple of shows there. But um, that was sort of towards the end where they just asked us to come and help out uh, okay. oh, for a season. Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, it was like, it, it's one of those things though, where it was a very tight, well-oiled machine and we, and it was, it was fine. It, it was, it was kind of funny though. Cause it was like, you, this sort of happens where, you know, you, you write pilots, you shoot pilots, you run shows, but then sometimes you're a staff guy again. Yeah. And that was a gig where we were sort of like, all right, we're part of the staff. And, and everybody there was like really funny, really smart. Like, I think, I think that writer's room literally had like three former lampoon editors uh -huh. and uh, just like really, really funny, smart guys and right. women. And we just were like, okay, we're just, Pitching jokes. You're in, oh, and then it says that that's a, that's a whole experience. But did Mindy run the show? Was she the showrunner of it? I mean, she I she she had there was a guy named uh, Matt Warburton who was sort of running the room mm -hmm. when she was gone because the most impressive thing was that she she shot all day. Yes, because it was a single camera show. She was the star of the show, but she came in at lunch, uh -huh. and Matt would pitch her, and she very efficiently was like. I love this. I love this. What if this happens? What if this happens? Got to go. And so she she had the final say, right? But she was busy, you know. Yeah. And and that I I'm trying to think. Mulaney was that way too, but Mulaney was really part of the writing, and that was also a multi cam. So and that was probably know. that Mulaney show was probably three years too soon. Like you know, like before he really became huge. Yeah, or, yeah, that was you know I I think that like this was my opinion and I'm not, I'm not like making this up. But I remember we used to talk like John was trying. I feel like John was trying to do something where you know everyone just looked at it and at face value and said, oh, it's Seinfeld. He's just doing Seinfeld. But uh -huh. I think he really really liked the the medium. He liked multicam, but there was a part of it that I think was a little bit satirical, mm -hmm. but. It really I I think that if you didn't know that you're just like oh he's just 
is just the, you know, like, I feel like some of the stories that he pitched, he felt were funny because it's like, oh, this is kind of a clammy story, but I, but I think it's funny and like I'm doing it with a wink, but right. I think people maybe saw it and said, there's no I wink. I don't see the yeah, wink. There's the, yeah. And, and, you know, but it, it was, it's not that it was the wrong vehicle because it was his show and, and, mm. and he is the funniest guy in the room always, you know, right. I mean, and um, Nassim Pedrad was on the, was in the cast too. She was really funny. That was a great cast. Elliot Gould was on that show. Martin Short was on oh, that show. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was, it was really, really fun. But yeah, maybe it was, I think maybe he was trying to like, re not reinvent the multi-cam, but just like turn it on 10 a little bit and it right. maybe wasn't no one was like ready for that hey it's michael jammin if you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free join my watch list every friday i send out my top three videos these are for writers actors creative types you can unsubscribe whenever you want i'm not going to spam you and it's absolutely free just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list Did you, because whenever we develop for comics, we, you know, we wind up studying them. We read, we watch their act, we read, listen to their whatever, the audio books or, you know, read their, did you do the same as well for? I just knew, uh, you mean for that show or well, for, for Mulaney or, or for any, any comic that you're writing for really, or even like Bet, you know, for example. Well, Bet. I mean, we definitely like comb through her career and her life and mm -hmm. try to get stories from it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, whenever, and, 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 and you know, the, the Mulaney thing, we, we kind of like, we were also, that was a period of time where like, we were on that staff for a period of time and then we had a pilot picked up and went to go shoot it. Oh. So we were sort of there for a, a specific period of time, but like that show was all him to me. I mean, he ran that with, um, a guy, a John Pollock, a guy right. who, uh, who's also like, he, he's, he's such a good, he's a pro, guy. he's a pro and, and can guide things. He's so funny and smart. But, um, so I think that the, they, they really clicked well and there were a lot of really funny people on that staff too. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that to answer your question, it's always good, to, especially if you're dealing with somebody who's going to put a little bit of their lives into it to just, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, frankly, you, you kind of want to, like, connect with them, too. Like, it's something that they can connect with. Right. Unless they don't want to do it, unless they want to be completely a different person. If they're being some version of themselves. Yeah. What's so odd is that you and I have never worked together, even though we work with so many of the same people. You know, it, yeah. seems, it seems like very odd that, you know, how, how did that never happen? But how do you see, like, so, okay, we're on strike. How do you see the business now? Like, what do you... Like, what's your take on the past, I don't know, three to five years or, you know? Uh, everything's going great. It's great. Everything's perfect. <laughs> and just getting better. <laughs> um, I, everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, I think it, it, to me, it feels like it's a massive sea change. It yeah. really feels like even having lived through the first strike like that was streaming was just kind of coming around and you know netflix was a thing and but now everything has completely been disrupted and mm. i just think that uh i mean look this is nothing new but like you know to, to me cable seemed to be working okay and then streaming came in and it just seemed like there were no parameters it's like all the streaming services come came around and i understood economically that like all the studios are going to want to have their own thing mm -hmm. and not have to license it to anybody anymore but without the structure of a of a schedule like a nightly schedule it's just like it just became a bottomless pit and so yeah. there was this five you know it was it was the it was the old it was the the wild west again and there's a billion shows and I, I you know some of these studios i guess were just like wait this is so expensive like a full staff for every show and we're making 
so many shows. Um, we need to, now, now it's like we overspent. Now we need to back up a little bit. And then, but in the meantime, to me, I just felt like it was like the rules got changed where there was a somewhat of a model in network television and even cable mm -hmm. where it's like, we're going to pick this show up for X number of episodes. We're going to have this many people on staff. That's the way it's done. Mm -hmm. And then now the it's like, oh, we have this new area of streaming. We're just going to do things differently now. We're going to hire three people mm -hmm. or the guy that created the show is just going to write them all and then shoot mm -hmm. them all. And it, it just, I don't it's it's you know i mean all i can know all i can do is keep doing what i do but it's you know it seems more it, it really see it feels like the ground underneath us is that much yeah. more uh, shaky like, really shaky how do you and what's your take i don't know if you work a lot with well uh you know young well let's see i've actually I have two questions i want to ask you because your last your last network show um was probably was what the Mindy projects. I haven't worked. I haven't worked in the network for a while. It's all been cable, right? Um, the last network show I worked on was uh, American Housewife. Oh, American. So it's so interesting, which wasn't even that long ago. Um, and so you're working with young, there's bigger staffs on network. And you're they're bringing in younger writers. What's that like? What, what are the kids like? Do you think they're different these days on network shows? Um, because we had a hierarchy. We had there was a pattern. There was a I only think broken. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's probably better. I mean, I worked, I worked in some rough rooms, and then I worked in some more. You know, I certainly, I don't feel like I ran a rough room. Uh, what do you mean? By, you know, what do you mean by rough room? What were they like? Uh, just a, that the the real hierarchy. Like when I was a staff writer you were not really expected to talk very much. Right. It was kind of like sit and listen. Right. But, um, and then I'd say, I'd, I'd pitch something and they'd be like, not now. And I'd say, I'm sorry. And they'd say, don't be sorry. Just be quiet. <laughs> don't, be sorry. don't let it happen again. Don't be sorry. Just be quiet. I, I yeah. And like, look, that's the, that's the, it was always done with, a joke, you know what right. I mean? And, right. and like, I don't ever feel like I was treated cruelly. Mm. I mean, I mean, I guess, I, I guess it was cruel that, you know, I did feel like I was held hostage and, you know, yeah. Going home at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning in, in rush hour traffic, the wrong way. Like yeah. my nights and days were mixed up, but like eventually um, what I was going to say was, I just feel like there was something to, earning it a little bit you know I, I just feel like you know even even those first jobs like especially like Bright Kaufman Crane I remember there were certain things that you like they were big on floor pitching right. on 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 show night and that's great experience I mean look multi-cams aren't around as much as they used to be but like I remember learning a ton like I I can still shoot back to the time we were on show night and a joke bombed and then you just huddle up mm -hmm. and you're just staring at each other and everyone's thinking and you got to come up with an alt mm -hmm. and people are pitching stuff and it's like, and you pitch a joke and everybody laughs and you're like, Oh my God, you're the hero. Amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, and then they put it in and it dies. And it, and it dies. Yeah. That's what a floor, but, so for the people listening, that's what a floor pitch is. On show night on a multi-cam where you at the last minute throw a joke in after one bombs. So, yeah. Right. And then you finally, you, you give up and you just pitch a joke with the word nipple in it. <laughs> and, and people have <laughs> that and you're like, ah, oh, I hate myself. Yeah. But, um, no, but, but I, I think that now, uh, you know, ha like being, the older guy and and even you know running a show like th there is a there is a certain level of like everybody has an equal voice mm -hmm. and which i think is good you know but i also think that there's it's not that you're less than at all to me it, it was always about like experience mm -hmm. like you you just gotta you know what it is it's a it's there, there's no substitute for being able to read the room yeah. And there are people sometimes that are younger and less experienced and they, they pitch an idea and 
no one says anything which is like the night it's it's you know the, the, the worst is if someone says that sucks right but if you pitch a joke or a story and no one really like jumps on it no one yes ands it you know what let it float away because yeah. you know and then if you repitch it and then you repitch it you're gonna get yelled at you're gonna get yelled at like that's yeah. just not cool and i feel like sometimes maybe people don't like that anymore you know yeah like i hear you but what surprised it's so hard there's a huge learning curve on the job. And when someone pitches an idea, if it's a good idea, it really doesn't matter who it comes from, but it's pretty obvious when it's a good idea. They're right, like the, uh, the senior writers are like, oh, that's good, right? And if you're new and experienced, you just don't know what's a, what's a good idea from a bad idea. And I think they sometimes get a little offended or hurt. It's, no, it's, it's, not a, it's, not, it's, not, it's just the idea, it's not you, you know? Right. The idea didn't land. Um, sometimes yeah. it's them. No. Sometimes it's them. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. It's it best idea wins always always yeah. always. Best idea gets you home faster, and so and so yeah I know. Um, wait, I was going to ask you something else. Uh, oh oh that's that's how I was going to say how we met. We met years ago because you were running a show, which is an interesting thing that you did. Was that you were running a show called Awesome Town, but you were running it. Someone else with less experienced writer wrote it, and you guys were brought on to supervise it, right? Right, right. So talk about like... your experience doing that kind of stuff. That was the first time we'd ever done that. We've and we've done that a bunch, just because I feel like my partner and I. That's not really something that a lot of people love to do, like run other mm. people's shows. Everybody right. wants to, you know, get your own thing. And we were writing our own pilots at the time too. But if you get enough experience, honestly, you know, my feeling is you want to have as many skills as possible in this business because mm -hmm. you know you want to just have another arrow in your quiver. Yeah. That's the right term. But like, so if you can successfully help someone just guide the ship and it's their show and they've never done it before, because that's the really- Were there job. creative struggles though between you and them at all when you do this? No, honestly, no. I really feel like it was this guy, Adam Stekiel, who's like a super nice guy. He um, He's like a big feature guy now. I think he wrote Black Adam. Mm -hmm. He like works with The Rock a lot and, and he created Undateable with Bill Lawrence mm -hmm. too. So he's, he's had a bunch of stuff. No, he's a very nice guy, very funny. And it was actually kind of cool that he got this job on. It was basically just about the, these four like early twenties friends and negotiating life afterwards. And they threw a lot of stuff. It, it's funny. I remember they, they picked the show up because I feel like ABC was looking to do something in the younger space, right. but it did. It, it was one of those shows. It was it was very low concept. Mm. And there was a whole opening teaser that we, I, I always suspected this is why it got picked up because it was very, it was very American pie. It mm. was like kind of dirty and there was like a couple and somebody had peanut butter on them and a dog was looking and right. <laughs> you can imagine. So, um, but I remember thinking like, this is why they picked it up because this is outrageous. There's no way they ever shoot this though. Right. Which is like, that's like an age old story in TV. It's like the thing they love about it mm -hmm. is the thing they cut first. It's exactly. You know, right. it's like you, you, you pick up a show called like immortal because the, the lead character ha has been alive for a thousand years. And then uh -huh. the first note is, can we make him mortal please? Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but, and you do it cause you're like, Oh, they just, uh, they just picked up the show. They just, gave me a budget and right. but um so they, they made a bunch of changes to this show and w including changing that entire teaser but um it was it was just an opportunity that came because again like i think we had written a pilot for the studio that made it and they needed somebody with like we had just had gone through deal you probably had a deal at the time an overall deal right i don't know if we had it like you know what we did I think we had just sold a pilot to like 20th uh -huh. and it was like a very good experience, but we just, it just was one of those shows that like almost got there, but didn't, but then, yeah. then they picked up all their other shows and they're like, Oh, we're going to pick up this show with these guys. And we had a good relationship with the development people that like, you know, maybe John and Josh can help with that. So um, that was awesome. That was, that was like, and I remember like we cast, whoever we want, like we changed roles because we found 
like I had never seen Brett Gelman before and he came in and was so funny. We're like, we're putting him in the show somehow. He was easily 10 years older than everybody who was supposed to be a coworker. Uh-huh. Ali Wong came in. We're like, uh-huh. let's create a uh, intern. But it was like, it, it, it was like, it was the first, uh, it was a good gig to get. And then from there, we, we got a bunch more of those gigs to sort of like. See, that's a, a, that's a talent because a lot of, I think sometimes when you have a, no, a young creator will create a show, then they assign a showrunner. Sometimes the showrunner is like, well, listen, my name's on this too. And I don't want this to have, I don't have a stink on me if this is terrible. So they kind of turn into what they want it to be. Uh, it doesn't sound like you did that. It sounds like you were very much trying to realize the vision of the person who created these shows, which is nice of you. Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe that's just the way that we are. I mean, I just uh-huh. feel like that's the first, like, and I'm look, by the way, that's probably a good way to get the gig is to go have lunch with them and go, listen, your show, man, we're just here to help you carry the water from here to there. Right. And we know how to do it. And, uh, but that is the truth. I mean, honestly, um, like, I don't want it to be bad, but like, you know, and like, I'll tell you what I think I'll give you my opinion, but also like, again, I don't know anybody that could ever do that show, that job alone. Like it's, it's miserable and not miserable, you know what I mean? And, um, we, uh, we owe, and plus, you know, you could relate to this too, just being, I mean, being on a writing staff is collaborative anyway, but being in a writing partnership, you just really learn how to negotiate Mm -hmm. compromise Mm -hmm. and talking it out. And, you know, single writers tend to be really, you know, yeah hold on to their stuff because there's mm-hmm. never any other counterpoint so i feel like we had the right skill set for that yeah there's also a sense of there's so many decisions to be made if i don't make this one decision it's okay i gotta make a million other decisions so it's okay if i didn't if i don't make this one decision you know there's a lot to do uh yeah i don't yeah. need to be in wardrobe i always say that i don't need to be i don't need i i, I you can do rack check i don't need yeah. to do that yeah yeah, there's exactly, there's exactly, there's a ton. I, when we ran Marin, we, the the, uh, the wardrobe people loved us because they'd show us choices. And I go, well, what do you think? You know, well, this one. And I say, well, why do you think that one? They give me a re- re- reason. I go, all right, sounds like you know what you're doing. <laughs> sounds like you got a good idea there. So let's do what you say. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, how how many episodes did you do of Marin? We did four seasons I, I want it was probably around 50 because each show, each season was, I don't know, whatever, 12, 13 or something like that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But that was IFC. And that was a pleasure because it was low budget. They just leave you alone. It was wonderful. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, did you find that it was, <laughs> was it hard to produce? Because I mean, how big was your staff? The first season. <clears throat> so that was a show that was created by this guy. Duncan Birmingham, we didn't create it, but he wrote the pilot. He was a young writer. He wrote the presentation uh, and then with Mark. So that season, the first season, when they picked it up, it was Mark Marin, who's a very good writer, but had no writing experience for sitcoms. He's a you know stand-up. This guy, Duncan Birmingham, who was a young guy who they just, they could, they could exploit. So he had no experience. And it was me and my partner. And that was it. So we were the ones with any real sitcom experience. And then, but then as each season went, we picked up a couple more writers um, and we rounded it out. But um, but it was a great, it was a wonderful experience, but the budget was tiny. The budget was, it was like nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. And we shot each episode in two and a half days, so. Really? Yeah, it was, yeah. It, it, as long as someone's finger wasn't in front of the lens, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Move it on, so. Yeah, that was that was such a great experience, and 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 no one remembers that. No one remembers, you know, like hey, the show it wasn't that perfectly lit. Yeah, that's okay. People like the writing, they like the acting. That's the important thing, you know. So what if the camera went like this a little bit? <laughs> right. Um, my yeah, my partner always was like, when you're like, he's like, they're doing laundry, they're paying their, <laughs> they're paying their bills while oh. they watch this. Like that, like the people. Oh, at home, oh yeah. Yeah, they're like they're 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 like they're listening. They're half, you know. They're they're not, not even know. anymore. Now they're on their phones and watch. I mean, now they're really not watching the show. <laughs> He's right, <laughs> because like everyone, you know, Seabert, you say the same thing. You say like, yeah, they're they're reading People magazine. Not anymore. They're not. Now they're on. They're watching the show and on TikTok and getting text messages. <laughs> they're not paying attention. <laughs> they're reading the live tweeting 
yeah of other people re- like so, watching the know. show for them so right it's an odd time but yeah so what do you so what do, what excites you then going forward what as we as we wrap it up what is your like what excites you now uh in entertainment yeah or just yeah, as, a, as a writer yeah um i still i mean i like what i always liked honestly mm. like i feel like right now um i want to I, the thing that i want to do is i, I want to try new things but i also and this is like but 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 about, but also i feel like as i get older like <clears throat> you have to you have to always write what's sort of like I don't know. It's like personal to you. Like, I right. don't know. This is it, it, because then it sort of seems inauthentic. Right. Um, but having said that, like, I think that um, I, I would really like to get back into animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I feel like um, I, I know it's like, I feel like features, like, like I feel like weirdly streaming has opened that up mm-hmm. a little bit too. Cause like, you know, it's hard to get a movie out in the theaters. I mean, especially yeah. now. Yeah, um, it's not a Marvel thing or something like that. So like, there might be like avenues to go with um, with um, streaming movies and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. That's I mean, it's it's it's. I, I feel like I don't have any a good answer to that question because I still really like I I still feel like I always have ideas. Uh-huh. But um, and and honestly, like more often than not, like I'm looking to collaborate with more people yeah different people you know because not necessarily on-air talent but writers as well other writers yeah Yeah. i just feel like you know if you're lucky you have a long career and Mm -hmm. a lot of different types of careers and you know my partner and i always said like we um we've sort of had an open marriage a little because Mm -hmm. we started out together we and you know you work very closely with a writing partner and and we work together for many many years and then we sort of split on staff for a while and then we came back together mm-hmm. for a while and then now we're separate again but um was that hard for you when you're writing after you split to start writing alone let's say even on staff because this is the first okay you usually you have somebody to bounce an idea off of now you're you're on you know you're looking at that blank page by yourself uh yeah yeah it's hard it's mm-hmm. hard to be in that it's 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 definitely hard and i feel like i'm getting better at like sort of reaching out to Mm -hmm. other writers and just sort of like can you look at because it's like my wife can't hear it anymore yeah like you you go walk into the kitchen it's like would this character say that she's like i don't know like what are you talking about so i have to i i I just feel like you have to i guess you you learn to sort of like mute your ego a little bit and just mm-hmm. sort of like let let other like sometimes you just have to talk it out and and that's what a partner was for you know yeah um but um i don't even know if i answered your question but it's okay uh, we're just we're, we're chatting what about what about uh advice for aspiring writers what do you what do you tell them either about the craft or about the business i mean to get in now, mm-hmm. uh, I think that starting out the the best thing about now to me mm-hmm. is that it seemed like in the beginning when we started, it was really all about like what's the spec of the big show, mm-hmm. which there's a there's an art to that, you know, because you know being on staff and being a good staff writer means that you're you're using your talent to sort of like mold it. You mold your voice to be this voice of the show. Exactly. Like you're not there to have your own opinions, like right. write for this character, write for this show. Right. And, but now I just feel like it's all about your own voice. It's all about creating something, you know, like, like a, a, a friend of mine has a, has a, like a young young much younger sister who's trying to break in and like she wrote a script and i thought it was pretty good like she had a specific voice 
and she's like I and she's like got an actor friend she lives in New York and she's like I was thinking of just like shooting 10 minutes of this like mm-hmm. just getting a camera and this and that. I'm like yes do that right. somebody will you know like the stuff that I want to do now like some I know it's time consuming but it's like you know you got to take that next step you know if you have an idea write it uh you know and and that's something that I I didn't do enough of I feel like back in the in the day and because mm-hmm. it was really like not not part it was, of the... it, it, you didn't need to i mean it, it's you're exactly right your job was not to have your own voice your voice your job was to capture the voice of the existing show and so you don't you don't want to have your voice your job is to blend in and you know uh but now it's it's very different and i think it's actually harder to have your own to figure out what your voice is have that confidence especially when you're young you're like i don't know what's my voice you know that's a good point no i i think that maybe there was some comfort in the in the guidelines i think i think so yeah i I, i've watched a hundred you know it's like i've seen friends a million times i can write right you know what joey's gonna say right you know what phoebe's gonna say when in this situation because she's out there and you know but what's your voice like i don't know you know you gotta find i used to i remember just i always used to think that too even you know it's like you know like an executive wants to like they don't know what the show. They don't know what these characters are. They right. don't like. Right. So, but then that's you know. Look, even before I was a writer, or while I was trying to be a writer, I was a reader. I worked at Sony and I did coverage. Right. And um, I remember even then that was another thing that actually. That's something that I also would recommend to, to people is to read. Right. Read TV scripts. Read good pilots. Read good screenplays like read good writing because it's mm-hmm. really helpful right um some people don't like to do that because they feel like it's but i don't i don't know if i agree with that i think yeah that it's it's you you can tell when something is like sort of economically written and, mm-hmm. and that and i remember even back then like doing so much reading i'm like oh, i can tell that this is like a good writer or a good script or something like that. Yeah, you you can totally tell. You you would read like I remember read like an old Larry Sanders. Like, oh my god, this just feels, it just feels so real. It doesn't feel like it's contrived or forced. It's yeah, yeah. That was our first. That, we wrote a Larry Sanders, and I think we wrote we wrote a Curb, like really really early. Yeah, like, like Curb, 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 Curb was after Seinfeld. Yeah. We wrote a curb like an er like like right right when it came out like okay. in the early because that that show's been on forever. I didn't know. Like, I don't remember how many years. I thought curb. My mind has only been on for ten seasons, but you're saying it's not. <laughs> it's I, and moment. it was actually it was a great piece of advice that we got from like an agent. They were like, <laughs> "You should," because I remember at the time it's like, "Oh, the show isn't written; it's improvised." Right. But you should write a version of what you think it is. Right. Um. That's the other thing too. Remember back in the day when like people would like, after a while, everybody would write their own. Everyone was writing the same specs, you know, right. the Drew Carey's and the news radio. So like, so you try and do something to get noticed. Like I remember somebody wrote a really filthy full house. Right. I don't even remember I, who it was. I don't remember that. Okay. But it was like, oh, that at least is going to get you noticed. And that's, <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like you have to, you, you got to make some noise, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. And now it's hard to know exactly what to write. Yeah. 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 Um, we didn't solve it. Today. No, we didn't. We didn't fix anything for anybody. But uh, it was interesting hearing about your experience. I thought it was great that we ran into each other. Now we have a friendship. No, no, it, it was your your name that I had heard of, and I knew of your podcast and your TikToks and everything. And I and I I'll say this again, mm. live on the air, like I really uh, admire you sort of putting yourself out there and and you know yeah, sort of saying, you know, I have something, you know, I have all this experience, and you know, you're this is a good example of like the uh-huh. things that people should be doing too, because, you know, I listen to all these podcasts all the time and, and no matter how many stories you hear, it's always interesting. And especially if it's stuff that you can relate to and it's like, Oh, I had that same experience, but different. And, you know, you and I have have led some kind of parallel lives. 
and you hear patterns. I, I, at least I've picked up patterns. I don't know if, if people have listened to all my episodes. You're like, oh, it's not when I hear the, you know, how did someone break in? Everyone's story is different, but you there's similarities in terms of like just not they don't quit or they take whatever job is beneath them and they take one below it and they you know and they you you just get as close as you can to the job you want and then hopefully uh, talent experience and, and luck will, will fall your way. Yeah, that's a dog yeah. barking. All right. John, what a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on my show, my little show and sharing your 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 experience and wisdom with all the, with everyone. That's it. My pleasure. Thank you again. This was this was really fun. I really uh I enjoyed this very much. I it was my pleasure, really. Thank you so much again. Uh don't go anywhere. All right, everyone, thank you so much. Uh until next week, uh keep writing and remember we got lots of great resources on my on my website michaeljammon.com you can sign up for my newsletter and all that stuff and all that free stuff all right everyone thanks so much until next week this has been an episode of screenwriters need to hear this with michael jammon and phil hudson if you're interested in learning more about writing make sure you register for michael's monthly webinar at michaeljammon.com webinar If you found this podcast helpful, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. For free screenwriting tips, follow Michael Jammon on social media at Michael Jammon Writer. You can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. Music by Ken Joseph. Until next time, keep writing.